Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And this AIB story, it really is refusing to go away. And you would love, really love to think that people power might work on this one. And with a a lot of political push, could the AIB management be forced to change their minds on this idea of turning so many of the AIB bank branches, particularly the ones in smaller rural towns, turning them cashless and leaving areas without any ATM. And AIB, it seems, will be told by the Taoiseach to delay plans to remove the cash facilities. It's 70 branches in total, of which 12 of them are here in uh, Cork. Now, the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, when this news broke earlier in the week, the big question was, did Pascal Donoghue know about this decision before the doll broke up last uh, week? Bearing in mind that the, the state has a majority shareholding in this bank. It seems now that Pascal Donoghue was blindsided and he says he was given no notice by the AIB of its intention on Tuesday uh, to close so many of their branches, 70 of the 170, so they'll be left with just 100 branches uh, around the uh, uh, country. And of course, there has been furious political backlash to it but Michal Martin was asked about it yesterday and he is now demanding a meeting with the top executives at the financial institution and he spoke publicly to them yesterday asking them to reconsider the move. He called on the bank to reconsider and reflect on the plans uh, yesterday. Of course, he's still on that government uh, visit. He's been to Japan and he's in Singapore at the moment, but he was asked about it. He says there are a significant cohort of people who need this facility and he believes AIB and the banks should take notice of uh, of, uh, that. The coalition seemingly were all left in the dark as to the bank's controversial downgrading of uh, of the branches, which the banker arguing it's due to declining demand for cash services but as so many people have pointed out there's a declining demand for cash services because the 
the, the, the management at that very bank and other banks have been co- very consciously encouraging people to move away from cash transactions. But, you know, as Micheál Martin pointed out, there will always be a cohort of people and a significant cohort of people who will always need cash and will always need the facility of being able to use a bank now, it is expected that we, when Miho Martin gets back from his overseas trip and when he gets to have this meeting with the executives from AIB, it's expected that at the very least he will urge them to delay the plans to push ahead with the move as quickly as AIB intend to do it. Because that was another thing I think that blindsided a lot of people. The announcement was made on Tuesday, but it was the follow on was the dates of when they were going to close these branches and make them. Well, well, they'll say they're not closing them, but they're, they're making them cashless. The first cohort of the banks go cashless in September and by the end of October, the second lot, which will mean the 70, will all have been cashless by the end of October. So a very, very short time frame from the announcement of the end of July to when they actually go a cashless. One coalition source quoted in the papers today said the bank was moving too quick while another said it was really bad form of AIB to do this when the doll was in recess with no prior notice no proper communications uh, nobody speaking certainly to anyone in government in the Department of uh, Finance and in particular to the Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue he was given no heads up he now has asked the Department of Finance to engage with AIB on this issue and the Junior Finance uh, Minister he uh, Sean Fleming he told his Fianna Fáil parliamentary party that the AIB boss Colin Hunt has been informed of the government annoyance at the decision. But there's this huge growing clamour from the backbenchers. I mean, there's 40 members of the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party supporting a call actually from one of our own Cork East uh, TD, James O'Connor. James O'Connor is looking for an emergency meeting with Pascal Donoghue over the AIB plans and he now has the support of 40 members of the Fianna Fáil party and I was speaking with uh, John Paul in the office there before I came on air and we're hoping maybe later on in the programme today to have a quick chat with uh, James uh, O'Connor because he's obviously hearing from all of those backbench Fianna Fáil TDs and senators about this real growing unrest, anger and uh, frustration and uh, he's written a letter to TDs and uh, senators and James O'Connor says he he doesn't believe it is acceptable that we as a party would allow the banks to go uh, unchallenged and then I saw yesterday this is a kind of an add-on to it where we have all of the sort of the main political parties all in uproar and particularly any of the TDs who are coming from any of the areas where one of these banks are going cashless and with 70 going cashless there probably isn't an elected TD anywhere in the country who isn't close to at least one of those branches but I thought the Leitrim GAA club they're Ballina Moore they came out they're very in a rural area they're very much hitting out at the move and they've called on the GAA to end its sponsorship with the bank if there isn't a reversal on the decision now nothing coming from the GAA as to how they've responded to it but that will just tell you the groundswell of support 
to, to get the AIB Bank in their mind and now the Oireachtas and this is a powerful finance committee the Oireachtas Finance Committee they're calling on the AIB Chief Executive Colin Hunt to come before them to explain to them the decision to downgrade the, ban- the branches the committee chairman of the Finance Committee that's uh, John, John McGuinness he said he's outraged by the move which he said was taken without any warning and without any consideration for its impact on citizens he says we need to hold the bank to account. The Fianna Fáil TD described the decision as another attack on rural Ireland. He said TDs from all political parties are outraged and something needs to be done. And and he's he's right. You know, OK, you've got the bank saying, look, we're doing this because there is a move away. Not a lot of people are dealing with this. there's a declining demand for cash services. But did they stop and think about the people who still have a need for cash services? Do they stop and look at the impact on the people who do regularly use the banks? The businesses that, for example, they use the night safe, the businesses that go into these banks for change, the the older people who only deal with cash and like to go into a physical bank to deal with and speak to people. I mean, did they at any stage when they were making this decision, when they all sat around a table, did they stop and say, well, how will this impact on some of our customers? I'll be really interested, particularly when they go before the Oireachtas Finance Committee, because you know they will be grilled on that aspect as to what they say. Now, seemingly AIB yesterday did issue a statement this was following what Michael Martin said in Singapore uh, to say, yes, they are aware of uh, Michael Martin's uh, comments and they, in, in inverted comments, they're happy to engage uh, with him. I don't know if happy is exactly the word that a lot of people will use. Anyway, it is. it does appear to be one of those stories that certainly isn't going away. And we're hearing more and more of protests now starting to be organised. And I think people are starting to organise uh, petitions. And one wonders could and will people power work on this one. Uh, Still inundated again with more texts and comments about the AIB Bank's uh, decision and when I made the point that came from John McGuinness about did they give any consideration for its impact on the citizens and the people using their bank, Ross says uh, AIB, the top dogs don't think of what is happening at the bottom rung of the ladder. I feel the HSC is the same, says Ross. Sue from Dunmanway says, we are closing our AIB credit card today. A bank with no money? It is insane. The credit union now is your chance to start offering bank accounts in your Dunmanway branch. Please, please do this. I'd love to be able to bank with the credit union. And there are some credit unions. I know Mallow and I'm sure Skibbereen as well. They do have debit cards, so credit unions are also an option for sure. And John says, uh, Patricia Michal Martin has asked the AIB to change their minds on going cashless. Why didn't he simply tell them? The banks seem to be running the country, says John. And I think a lot of people, when we discovered, you know, that oh, not discovered, we knew that AIB Bank, had the majority state, state holder, is the state, is the government. But seemingly they don't have any say in the day-to-day running of the bank. It seems crazy when you're the majority stakeholder. But that was clearly um, pointed out that they don't have any say uh, in how the actual bank runs. And says, hi, Patricia, how can the bank, how can the government allow AIB to do to do this? 
Everybody needs cash, says Anne. And Heidi says, morning, Patricia. It just goes to show that Pascal Donoghue is not or has not got his finger on the pulse. He just waits for things to happen and then turns around and says, I didn't know that that was about to happen. Patricia, you can bet your that people power will work. It has to work. And I think, yeah, that's what a lot of people are certainly hoping for. 0818103103 and then Mary has a text in uh, about the cost of going out for I suppose a little lunch would it have been lunch you had at Mary and she found this a little bit expensive she says Patricia I was in a cafe last week there was no prices on anything my son and myself had a toasted sandwich there was no side salad so just a basic toasted sandwich one had tea and the other had a bottle of 18 euro. I thought that was a tad on the expensive side, said Mary. And then I saw a little fella going up to the counter. He wanted to buy a bar. He was short five cent and they wouldn't give him the bar. If the prices were on items, you'd know what you end up paying before you get to the till, says uh, Mary. Yeah, and in most places they do show the, the prices don't they I thought there was a law wasn't there a consumer law about putting up the prices of items now I don't know does it always work in uh, cafes but you are right and I think as people become more price conscious I think it's very important that people display prices because you could end up with a situation of ordering food and then literally not having enough money with you but Mary thought for two toasties no side salad cup of tea and a bottle of water 19 uh, euro uh, would people feel that was a bit on the pricey side 0818103103 that is our text uh, number now the European Central Bank shocking mortgage holders yesterday by a larger than expected rise we'll be discussing that next Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business Farm Life and Health Insurance CMIG.ie Hello, we now at the end of the era of cheaper mortgages as the European Central Bank announced an increase in its key interest rates. What does it all mean for current mortgage holders and indeed the home buyers of the future? Joining me with words of advice David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation. Uh, good morning to you David. Good morning Patricia. Now this increase was expected but it's higher than what people had expected it to be? I think that'll unnerve many in that it was expected, but it was double what was expected. And I think the leaks that came a few weeks ago indicated a 0.25% increase with a 0.5% increase possibly coming in September. And then yesterday's caught many off guard by it being 0.5%. So I think many will be will already be nervous, will already be under pressure, will already see cost of living increase. And then this little um, scud in yesterday won't be helpful at all. Is this now the start of a cycle of interest rate yeah. hikes? I think that's the challenge. That's the issue. I, I know a number of commentators have made reference. The economists have said that they expect the totality of the increases could be benchmarked around 2%. And that's what's worrying. I think yesterday was the first step. I think it had it been one and only increase, uh, that might have settled people down a little bit more. But the fact that it's the first of potentially many and unknown how many there would be. Like the UK have already raised interest rates five times um, over the last while in the UK eight times. Or sorry, America eight times. So there's a very big concern as to what's ahead coupled with all of the normal stuff that you've been talking about for the last number of months, Patricia, and many others with the increase in, in living costs. And now add that to, the, to that, uh, this mortgage increase rate and borrowing. So a number of banks, fortunately, have said they won't pass on this rate rise just yet. We're waiting for AIB to clarify that uh, amongst their cashless banking process. <laughs> um, 
So we'll see what happens in relation to it. But that won't be, that won't last forever. Okay, many people are asking, can David explain why it's happening now? It's happening now because they, they need to cool the cost of living crisis and the, the overall inflation. Normally inflation runs at 2% and inflation is now running at 10%. And this is an attempt to try and see, can they cool that down? Um, that's an economic response to something not very helpful to many when they're stuck in the middle of a, a cycle of increased prices of fuel and uh, living costs and, and um, shopping. Um, but the intent is to try and see can they cool it down and, and try and bring a bit of order to the economy uh, all throughout Europe. Will it work? We don't know yet. And that's the danger of having to do it multiple times to try and make it work. OK, talk us through the different mortgages and what type of mortgage will see immediate rises. The immediate rises will see you a tracker. Um, and many people, Patricia, it's important to know, have had a tracker for 11 years and never had an impact on their rate. They've had the same rate for the last 11 years. So, so there's a lot of first-time buyers that this has never happened to before. No, they, they never lived in a world where interest rates increased. Wow. <laughs> many, of us, many of us were in like a ping-pong ball machine. Yeah, yeah. Around with different rates up and down. And others didn't. And, you know, a 0.5% rate when your base rate is already 1% is a significant rise. Many won't have that many sympathy for many people who have got a, a tracker rate when they're stuck on a 3.5 or a 4.2% rate with another lender. But those rates will automatically increase. I think our Bank of Ireland issued a note yesterday saying the 10th of August will be the first raise that will take place for those. That's people on tracker. Then what yeah, about vari- variable. variable rates? Variables will be now up to the banks to decide when they pass it on, if they pass it on. There is some conversation or some political pressure that to ask banks not to pass it on. And we'll see one or two banks have indicated a willingness not to pass this 0.5% on. And as I say, I think by the end of the day, but most certainly the end of the weekend, we'll have certainty and clarification on that. It will mean, like for an average mortgage of 250,000 a year, 47 euros a month extra. Um, and, you it know, doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're on a very tight budget, that is a lot. A very tight budget and also with all the other raises that have happened. If it was in isolation, it would be a lot uh, easier of a blow. But not not in tandem with all of the other raises that have happened and all the other raises that are still happening with fuel, with heating and with uh, groceries and everything else. So in tandem with everything else, it's a very significant raise. Uh, and, you know, that does go to €100 Euros per 100,000 you borrow if you take the economist and, and commentator's worst-case scenario of this going up by 2% mm-hmm. over a period of time. So it is, It is. you know, there are many people that we've spoken multiple times, Patricia, in relation to those who've been in mortgage difficulty, who've had their, raise, their rates and their mortgages restructured. They're to the pin of the collar, and this will have a massive impact because €47 Euros a month, when you've had your mortgage restructured, to take account of everything you can spend with all those expenditures going up, and now your mortgage going up as well, will have a devastating effect. Yeah, listen, we've been already dealing with people who are in food poverty and having to go to food banks just to put food on the table. You, sp- you spoke about some of the banks there saying that they won't pass it on. Do, do Can the banks absorb some of these increases? Of course they can. Look at the profits. Yeah. average one billion euros. No brain surgeon required now to work this one out. Um, you know, there's one billion euros of profits. Um, you've got a whole host of lenders who absolutely screwed their customers when it came to the tracker mortgage scandal. AIB alone, who's now decided to want to go cashless because there's no money involved, has just been fined 95 million for screwing its own tracker mortgage customers. And they made a billion of euros last year. So absolutely the banks can do it. And it's a bizarre country we live in where you have 63% of the states own 63% of the major bank who decide to go ahead and remove these cashless uh, services and then on top of that, have no uh, res- quick response to the 0.5% increase by admitting or, or confirming they're not going to pass it on. 
Do you, do you um, think it was bizarre that nobody in government, including the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, or anyone at the Department of Finance, knew what AIB were going to do with the cashless? It's just, it's, it's bizarre. It is absolutely yeah. bizarre. That, and it actually proves, though, Patricia, it actually, to a certain degree, in a perverse way, you get a little bit of consolation to understand how detached they are. Yeah. This proves how detached they are, how much in their ivory towers in Dublin that they are. And this really proves it beyond belief that anybody else has never needed anything to confirm it. This is a group of people who are absolutely completely removed from normal day-to-day living, normal day-to-day lives. It's actually remarkable they even can make a profit. And could you imagine if they were tuned in how much money they'd actually make? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the very banks that, that we bailed out, it's just... Their entire survival is because of 64 billion. Yeah, it's a a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, we have people who will have to make business people who will have to make a two-hour round trip if you're out in the Bear Peninsula to get to to a bank. The the Taoiseach's response has been fast and appropriate and he's been out ahead of the Central Bank, which in itself is remarkable. Central Bank came out late last night talking about vulnerable customers a full 48 hours after this announcement was made. So it appears nobody was aware this was going on. The doll was closed. Everyone was going on holidays. The government were unaware, the Minister of Finance is unaware, and the regulators are unaffair. It's a and, wonderful country. Really. Yeah, and the banks can do can just do can literally do what they do what they like. Might one, this might be one they might have to claw back on, which would be very, very good. Yeah, hopefully. Listen, go, let me go back to mortgages. We have a number of callers on a fixed rate. Do they avoid the increase completely? Yeah, and I think many people were looking to do a fixed rate over the last year and twelve months, and I think we spoke again about that earlier in the year about doing that, and some people did do that. They're fixed and they're protected for now. Okay, and for families, they need to really start rethinking their budgets. Everything, budget, and look at budgets and do a realistic budget and go back over to the boring uh, boring exercise that has to be done. But unfortunately, it's critically important now for people on a tight budget and uh, revisit everything and, and, and review uh, all options that are available that they never thought might have been available before or they might not have needed before. Okay, all right, listen, uh, David, as always, we appreciate you joining us on the programme. Thank, thank you for that. Good morning Thanks, to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders uh, Organisation. Always uh, speaks such common sense, I think, uh, everything that comes out of David's mouth. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Actually, just when we're talking about the cashless uh, banks, a listener says, Patricia, I was in a restaurant yesterday. I counted 10 people who were paying. They all paid by card. I was the only cash customer in that short period of uh, time. Listen, I 100% know that, you know, when the banks say that there is a move to people, you know, tap and go and, and, and people using electronic payment, I'm not in any way taking away, taking away that the banks are making that up. That is happening. But there will always be a cohort of people who will need to use cash. And your good self is is an example. Could you imagine if you'd walked into that restaurant to be told that you couldn't, we don't want your custom because you don't have a card and that they weren't willing to accept your cash. Uh, People would find that very hard as well to deal with. And by the way, on the, thank you for your text, the listener who, Mary, who was in having lunch during the week and uh, ordered the toasty and the cup of tea and the bottle of water and the 19 uh, euro but there was no prices displayed and then saw the little lad going up to get a bar bar chocolate or something and was five cents short and, and couldn't purchase the bar he wanted to buy but there was no prices displayed so the little lad didn't know the actual cost of it uh, we, I just got it checked and under consumer laws restaurants including cafes and fast food outlets or other businesses that sell food for eating on their premises must display prices 
either out, either outside or directly inside each entrance. I knew there was a law came in about that a, a while ago because it came in for bars a number of years ago as well. You know, when you go into a bar, you have to see how much all of the different uh, drinks are. So, and it's the same with all retailers. They must display price products clearly either on the label or nearby and that's inside in supermarkets so, uh, uh, as well. But for restaurants, including cafes and fast food outlets, they must display their prices. So the next time you're in that cafe, if you want to point that out to them, 0818103103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text, you can watch up to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. As we heard on the news yesterday with uh, Barry, public shower facilities at West Cork beaches are said to be turned off in order to save water, which isn't great news, especially during the middle of our summer season when beaches are at their busiest. A discussion around the availability of showers at our Cork beaches actually took place at a recent meeting of Cork County Council's Western Division and the issue was raised by Independent Councillor Paul Hayes uh, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you Paul. Morning Patricia, and you're, you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Firstly were you disappointed to hear that the showers that are in place are to be switched off? I was, I was, yeah I was kind of surprised to be honest with you. Look um, I, I realise look, we're, we're in the middle of a heat wave uh, and all of that and, and we almost do our best you know, to, to try and conserve water like I, I know my car could certainly do it a wash but it can it can last another week without it you know so look I think everyone has to do their bit to to, to kind of conserve water but uh, I just thought it was, it was a bit farcical to be honest with you that you know um, facilities like that uh, at the height of summer our beaches are full and that, that, that the call came in to, to switch off the, the water to, to these showers, the, the, the few that we have, you know. So I, I, I thought it was uh, it was quite uh, incredulous, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, because I know Irish Water are warning that the current low water levels could lead to supp- supply restrictions in several parts of uh, West Cork. Clannacilty has been mentioned and Dunmanway has been uh, mentioned. Is that just purely down to the amount of tourists that are in the area? Um, to some degree, obviously, our population down here swells during the summertime, which would uh, visitors who are always welcome. But no, I suppose look, there's been uh, an underinvestment from from Irish Water for a long time now. You know, like Clonakilty, for example, now is regarded as a, as a hub town for the county, and we're going to see hundreds of new new houses being built here in the coming years. But unfortunately, the infrastructure, like what Maine's water supply, hasn't followed along with with those plans. You know, so again, uh, like. I think we were, we had a discussion there recently about a project in Clannacilty for over 90 houses that's now in limbo. It wouldn't it couldn't get planning permission uh, to go ahead because uh, Irish Water couldn't guarantee that there would be a water supply there for it. So it's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, and that is the key. It is the underinvestment by uh, Irish Water because whenever we talk about and we call out announcements on behalf of Irish Water about you know current low uh, low water levels and we could be heading for restrictions, people go, it's crazy. We get so much rain in this country. How can this be allowed to happen? But it happens yeah. because of underinvestment, doesn't it? It is. It is indeed. Yeah. And I, I, like I was on to residents of Banlaskarty in Shannon Vale now for the last couple of weeks. They've had uh, numerous water breaks up there again. The height of summer, um, thousands of litres of water lost. Um, ah. This is just pipe work that needs to be replaced. And I'm going back to those residents saying. I've got uh, Irish Waters capital plan here in front of me for the next two or three years, and you're not on it, you know. So like this, this, this they're going to do a patchwork job. 
you know, to fix the water breaks, but it's not in their investment programme. And again, like I think I might have said it to you back in the past, and my, I know my council colleagues are probably sick of me uh, hearing about it as well. Like we're building new housing estates, but uh, we're still not building in any form of like rainwater harvesting or any form of retaining or, you know, a, a water reserve, you know, under these big developments like that, you know, it could be used like to flush toilets and stuff. I think it's mental that uh, in this day and age we're, we're flushing toilets and, you know, washing clothes and things like that with... Um, perfectly drinkable, you know, possible Well, it's the, it's the equivalent of bottled water, is what we, yes. you know, you go to other countries and that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think there, there needs to be a, a, a whole kind of step change in that. When I bring it up at council level, they just say, well, we have to build our houses to national government specifications and we can't incorporate rain rainwater harvesting systems into that and as as, as everybody knows like it, this uh, this dry spell it, it, it won't last forever like and we'll be back to the regular uh, wind and rain soon enough you know mm. bit of joined up thinking it's just mm. it's it's crazy okay but, but back to the showers uh, okay how many showers are currently available across the beaches in, in West Cork I mean we, I've mentioned the two that they're switching off are they the only two yeah is, that, is, is, is it only, it's only the Warren and in Shadani? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and the reason that you particularly came to mind for you, you were on a recent trip to, to Kerry. Talk to me about the facilities you saw in Kerry. Yeah, again, I suppose, look, it's something I've, I've raised previously, you know, just even during COVID when people were outdoors and enjoying the, the, the local and natural facilities on our beaches and stuff like that. I did contact council officials and engineers at the time saying, look, there's a bit of national funding floating around here. Can we invest it in the likes of our beaches and put in, you know, handrails and um, shower facilities and extra bins or whatever? But look, it, it never progressed in that regard. But again, we were getting our uh, quarterly environment report last Monday at our council meeting, and again, I was welcoming the fact that Cork County Council or Cork County has the, the most amount of blue flags and green coast um, awards uh, this year. Like we, we've ten blue flags and fifteen green coasts, which is fantastic. But I just said, look, can we maybe expand upon that and enhance the facilities at our beaches? Um, and as you say, yeah, I was uh, doing a bit of hiking down in Kerry and uh, after a hike in Dingle, headed off out to Inch Beach. And I said, geez, look at these fantastic two lovely showers just before you come off the beach and, and go onto the car park. And look, I, I was kind of making the point that, you know, on Ballybunion, they have compactor bins down there. Everybody gives out to us that there's no bins at our beaches here. And even smaller beaches along the coast, they all had some version of a shower system that you could just wash down yourself or wash down your you know, your surfboard or your, your wetsuit or whatever. Um, and it's just disappointing that, you know, we, we have fantastic facilities or, or we have fantastic natural amenities here on, on, our, on our coastline, uh, but we just don't seem to be going the next level and uh, putting in these shower facilities and things that would yeah. make people's lives much easier. Yeah, and I know after last weekend we were talking about some of the beaches were absolutely destroyed with litter and it's just galling uh, to see it. But somebody uh, contacted us and they were in Tremor in County Waterford and they were talking about how Waterford County Council had the big, you know, like the industrial wheelie bins. They're almost like skips and they were dotted along the, you know, the edge of the, the on your way to the beach so the people were able to throw their rubbish and, you know, they were making the point that we don't, that's what we need to have at all, at all of our beaches. But I'm wondering, is it the fact that we've too many beaches? It's because we have the biggest coastline of all of the other counties. Is that the problem? Perhaps, but again, as I say, if if you look over the over the fence to our neighbouring county, you know they've they've a lot as well, and 
it just I think is a just different mindset. They kind of go, well, look, you know, there's going to be more people at our beaches in the summertime. We're going to put in some bins. And, and again, look, I appreciate, look, the council officials have said to us in the past that when they did put in bins that they were abused and people were bringing down their black bag and, you know, the household waste was, was being left at the side of the bins and stuff. So that can't happen either. But look, I think for, for the couple of months of the summertime, I think we do have to put in these facilities. And, and um, you know, look, you know, people are... You know, some people will take away their own litter with them, you know, that they're staff, but then others won't, you know. So I think we still need to provide the facilities. And, you know, I, as I said, like, it, when when Irish Water gave the directive the other day to turn off the, the existing showers, like, I, I was kind of wondering to myself, will they tell us, you know, to turn off the, the water to the public toilets next? You know, is that the I next know, thing? I know, I know. And did you get any sense that into the future the council might install additional showers? Um, well, I, I was advised just to bring it up, you know, at our municipal district level, I suppose, to look, and, and again, we'll be heading into our budget uh, period now in the, in the next couple of months. So, look, I, it, it is something that I'll be bringing up again. But even, look, I was liaising over the last little with local kind of community groups and saying, look, you might be able to apply for a grant. You know, we, we were we even priced up uh, various options for, for, for shower units. Some can be quite simple. Others incorporate an aspect of solar. So, it does heat the water a little bit, you know. So, but obviously they're a bit more expensive. But I, you know, I, I think of a fight on my hands. All right, like to uh, to try and convince the powers that be to. Uh, it's 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 a it's a real pity. I spent a lovely weekend last weekend in West Cork, and it was the one thing I was complaining about was <laughs> coming off the beach and trying to get all the sand off everyone. It was just a shower would have been absolutely uh, great. And when I was in uh, Clan at the weekend, I mean the place was buzzing. You 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 definitely are having a good tourist season this year. It is, it is, yeah, it's great. Like, uh, it's good to see all out west now. Uh, I was out west in uh, Clannacilty and Skibreen and out to Skull and Mizzen and back into Bantry yesterday. And, uh, yeah, it was lovely. Like, and sure, look, when, when the sun shines in West Cork, you know, it, it, it really is spectacular, you know. So, but yeah, it's just little things like this, I think, uh, would, would enhance the place further. Uh, as you say, like, even, you know, anybody that's gone, you know, to Spain or anybody anywhere else like that. In recent times, look, these things are almost taken for granted. They're just there, you know, and you kind of get used to it. And, you know, that's what I do. I'm kind of always taking photographs when I go away somewhere and, and kind of go, look, you know, and send that to an engineer and kind of go, like, that might be an interesting idea for, for us to, to implement here in West Cork or, or in the county. But, um, but yeah, that's, that seems to be the case. But, like, even, like, down my local beach down here behind me at Broad Strand in Cork McSherry, like, there's, there's year-round swimmers here, um, and I, I, they have frequently asked for, you know, the, the shower facilities, like for washing down wetsuits and things like that. That, you know, they they started swimming during COVID and, and kept it going. Um, and it's fantastic. Like every morning, you'll see a group, probably, you know, mostly actually retired people, and they're gathering below. And it's the, the banter you can hear it across the other side of the beach. Like they're all laughing and chattering. And um, you know, it's it's fantastic. It's it's great for your 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 physical health and your mental health. You know, and again, little things that that would make such a difference to their lives. Something simple, um, you know, improving car parking and bits and pieces like that. Like, and it wouldn't cost a fortune. Um, so I, I just wish that again, you know, you know that when we're, we're chatting to engineers and officials, that they would kind of go, yeah, look, uh, I think this is something simple that we can run with, and, and uh, you know, and, and start installing these facilities. It would, you know, as I said, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and and they're not going to cost a huge sum of money. No, absolutely not. Um, and a lot of places look, you know, the, 
there's mains water connection uh, right beside it. In fairness, like I know we've had a lot of goodwill from local farmers down here that would say, look, yeah, look, if you're having any issues, just tap into the water supply over the fence there in my field. But it, in a lot of instances, anyway, like there, there's mains water literally under the road, like the, 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 the councils could tap directly into. And look, most of these are quite efficient um, features anyway. It's not like somebody would leave the tap on that running all day long. You know, it's these push button. And they, uh, they, they knock off when they're finished. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. A couple of minutes like of, of water pouring out of it and, uh, and that's it. Then it shuts itself off, you know. So as I said, like in grand scheme of things, when we're looking at water breaks and things, you know, I'm, I'm sure your listeners know water meters that have been leaking for the last year and a half or whatever are, as I said, like... We had one only last week outside of Liscarrel, nine months, Joe. One of our listeners reckoned it's the pipe has been yeah. leaking. Yeah, and new, uh, and reported numerous times and yeah. it's still a flow of water running down the road. So, yeah, it, it just seems that, that the, the contradiction between, you know, providing facilities like we have being told to turn off the water and then uh, on, on the flip side... Uh, Water meters and, and pipes bursting all over the place. Just you know, just the lack of joined up thinking is just quite frustrating yeah. from my point. I can hear it in your voice. Listen, keep fighting <laughs> the good fight, Paul. Thank you for that, and we'll talk again. Lovely. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Yeah. Bye bye. That is Independent West Cork Councillor Paul Hayes. Uh, Finbar Harrington says Patricia Irish Water have no money to upgrade the network. All the money that they're getting from the government is going to bonuses for their workers, says uh, Finbar by text. Let's says on the showers at the beach. They sound like a terrific idea, what uh, Councillor Paul Hayes is suggesting. But Colette is worried about will they be vandalised? Well, the ones that are already in place, I don't think have been vandalised. And, and I've never heard of Kerry having a problem with their showers being vandalised but hopefully not but that's not the reason that they're not installing them they're not installing them because they don't seem to have the money for it which is a real real shame. Thank you for your text uh, Colette. Okay we need to take a break. We need to go to the newsroom for news at 11 with Barry O'Malley. In the next hour I'm going to be speaking with the patient advocacy service because they're talking about the difficulties that happened because of restrictions with COVID-19 particularly with people trying to get in to visit loved ones. And then if you even couldn't get in to visit, people trying to find out information, people trying to phone up uh, to see how a patient was doing and phone calls were going unanswered. We'll talk about that and more all after News at 11. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Court today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I say hi to everybody travelling on the West Cork Connect service. They're travelling from Skibbereen to Cork City as we speak and their bus driver, I'm told, is one Finbar McCarthy and he has C103 on the bus. (laughs) So everyone is forced to listen to me whether they want to or not and Stephen is one of the commuters on the bus and he says he just wants to say hi to everyone. That's a fantastic service, the West Cork Connect. Safe travels and thank you to Fimber for keeping the radio locked on C103. Now Eddie and Mahan was on on to us. This is about a scam and this ties in with AIB because Eddie said... From when he went to bed last night to when he got up this morning, he's received three messages, now they're scams, claiming to be from AIB 
about his ATM card being stopped. He's not a customer of AIB, so he knew immediately that they were scam messages. But he said, just in case people might get caught out and there's been so much talk about AIB going cashless, you could have someone who will see that text who is a customer of AIB, could be a customer of one of the banks that's going cashless and might actually believe that it's tied in in some way to that. So thank you for that, Eddie. So there seems to be a slew of scams about AIB purporting to be from AIB they're not Carmen is in Turner's Cross she says she was in one of the AIB branches in the city centre yesterday she said there was people queuing up for various services and others were looking to speak to people she was standing waiting in the queue she said many people were coming in they had a security car guard working in the AIB who was directing people to where they needed to go but Karma said the problem was it was hard not to hear what other people were doing, you know, what their banking business was about. She felt there was absolutely nothing confidential about it. And she said she ended up, she was in the queue in the bank for about 20 minutes in total. So she was doing her own little bit of survey as she was in there. She counted, she says, at least 14 people who came in. And when they were asked, because obviously she was close to security guards, so she could hear what, you know, people were saying, what, you know, he was obviously, it was his job to say, what are you in? first so he could direct people to the various queues she counted at least 14 people who came in to say I'm here to close my account and she said surely that says something about AIB and we've heard that Carmel I have to say we've had a number of people contact us say right that's it I'm going to move to a different bank so you wonder how many accounts they'll actually lose over this now that'll be one way that will make the powers that be in AIB sit up and take notice if people decide to close accounts and actually I've just spotted a tweet in from the women Council of Ireland it's they're saying they're making the point that access to cash is uh, crucial for women under coercive control or financial abuse and they're urging AIB to reconsider this decision and I'm sure AIB was one of the banks that signed up wasn't it the Women's Council had that programme where they were training people in banks how to identify financial abuse and coercive control of females and they were training the staff uh, in what in what to do I'm sure they were one of the banks and they're not when you know have did, did they consider the impact on their citizens did they consider the impact of some of their customers who might be victims of course of control I think not Okay, also coming into us, uh, thank you, Carmel, for your call. Pat in for Moy says, cash at the end of the day is legal tender. Therefore, it should not be refused anywhere you go. Pat has noticed that there is a trend in some cafes and bars and there will be a sign up saying card only. He says that needs to be spoken about and it needs to stop. Our AIB and others trying to go down the route of Revolut and N60, which are online only banks and they work via apps why on post and the credit unions are not offering more full services like banks Pat can't understand well check in with some of the credit unions I don't know about your own and for my Pat but a lot of the credit unions now are starting to offer debit cards and are starting to get more and more like a full bank and John in Castletown Roach said the banks will not listen to the people. They will not listen to the politicians. We, the state, may own 70% of AIB, but senior management will do their own thing. The banks seem to be answerable to no one. They're certainly not answerable to the central bank because the central bank didn't seem to know this was going on. And they're certainly not answerable to the politicians when they were allowed to do this without even the Minister for Finance. It seems incredible that the Minister for Finance or no one at the Department of Finance knew that this was going to happen. 
open. This one of the banks we bailed out and this one of the banks where the state owns uh, 70%. Just, it, it just seems incredible to me. Someone else says on this whole idea of just using cards versus cash, use it or lose it. This listener says, I do have a bank card, but I pay in cash a lot of the time. And I put my hand up and say, that's me. I, I deal with both cards, but I do like to have cash with me. I don't know what it is. I don't like to go anywhere unless I have cash with me because you never know the day of the hour when the card won't work or the machines are down or anything can go uh, wrong. Hi, Patricia. Maintaining ATMs costs money. They need staff to keep them topped up with the said money. Then they need servicing. All these are costs to the bank at the end of the day. So by getting rid of those costs, they'll have more money to line the AIB director's pockets. They will cut back on staff. Sure enough, that is a guarantee. It's all to do with the profit line, says this uh, texter. Thank you for that. And John says, when I mentioned earlier that it was a Leitrim GAA club, Ballinamore is the name of the club, and they've called out They've called on the GAA to end its sponsorship with the AIB Bank if they don't reverse this decision. John says, Patricia, you and 99% of the country know that the GAA won't cut the sponsorship with AIB. And how many of the top dogs in AIB have their free tickets already in their pockets for next Sunday's All-Ireland Final? Have a good day enjoying the programme. That's from John. Thank you for that, John. And then on mortgages, when we spoke with David Hall and we now know there's increases in uh, mortgages coming down the track with more to come down the track, certainly throughout the year. Heidi says, Patricia, higher mortgages, higher prices on everything and, and higher taxes. Uh, I feel, society, it's only slowing the economy down. And yet the ECB say that they're doing it to try to stop the rise in inflation. Heidi said, we need to get the economy moving. We don't need to be slowing it down. We are the people who put them in power. We pay them to work for us, not against us. So Heidi doesn't, is not in agreement with what the ECB has uh, done. Alison is in Carrigaline. Alison said, I budget every month with my wages. Two income households have got Alison's wages and her husband's income. Every single red cent is budgeted, be it on childcare, food, fuel, uh, fuel to go to and from work. Any, any increase in our mortgage will lead to us cutting back on something. David Hall, who you spoke to in the last hour, is right. We are the generation that have never seen an increase in our mortgages before. Usually we get the usual rate fixed every time it's up for renewal. Well, if you've got a fixed rate at the moment, Alison, then you are OK, as David explained, until your next due to renew the fixed rate. But when you're next due to renew the fixed rate, it certainly will uh, go up. But you're not alone when you say that you budget every single red cent. It's the people on the trackers that are straight away going to see an increase on, on those. They're the ones, if they're in the same situation as yourself, where every single euro and cent is accounted for, even though, you know, we're only talking about 50 euro a month. 50 euro a month could be 50 euro out of the food bill. And that's going to make it difficult for some people. Thank you for your call, Alison Connors, in Bandon on mortgage. Oh, the, with the ECB announcing the the increase rate in the banks saying some of the banks straight away saying that they are going to pass it on. Connor says mark my words says Connor what will happen now is you'll see rents 
starting to go up. Uh, the reason being, if a landlord is going to see an increase in his mortgage, then he simply will have no choice but to pass that increase on to his or her tenants. Otherwise, it will not make sense to rent the property if they are making a loss. Well, hang on, I'll take some landlords that are renting are already making quite a sizable profit. I hope to God that you won't have price gorging going on and people using it as an excuse to put up the rents. But you could be right and only time will tell. Now, on a couple of other different issues then that... Oh, just before I get to that, there was one other one I want to do... Um, on the banks. This is from Councillor Declan Harley. Hi Trish, I would appreciate if you'd let your listeners know the community of Dunmanway are holding a public protest in Dunmanway on Friday the 5th of August. I have a funny feeling next week we're going to be calling out a lot of these protests. So it's this day week. Is it this day week or this day? Two weeks, this day, two weeks. It'll be one o'clock in the afternoon uh, to show our community's outrage at AIB's decision to no longer offer cash and check services at the counter. We need people to come out in force and send a very, very strong message to AIB that we won't accept this decision and we must apply public pressure and make them reverse the move and show loyalty and support in our town. Further details to follow. Thanks for that, Declan, and get in those further details. And we'll be only too pleased to mention it for you. And I know John Paul is already working with people to come on the programme on Monday because there's a number of protests that have been organised for next week so we'll do our best to give as much publicity to any of those protests as we can. And then on a completely different issue when I was talking about Mary who went into the cafe to have a little bit of a lunch toasted sandwich cup of tea and her son had a toasted sandwich and a bottle of water and there was no prices up and so this, then when they went to pay it was 19 euro which she thought was a bit expensive and I wonder if she'd known the prices before she sat down and went to the counter to order would she have moved on to somewhere somewhere else I mean that's one of the reasons that prices should be clearly displayed so customers can make their choices uh, before sitting down and uh, eating Claire is from Wilton and Claire has noticed in Cork City there's no prices in hair salons or nail bars she's wondering what are the laws around that well I can tell you that certain businesses are required by law to display their prices so and you, you've got to be able to see them from either outside or just directly inside the entrance for the very reason that I mentioned then it's your decision if you're happy with the prices before you actually enter the premises that's why they should be displayed outside or just inside in the door and the certain businesses include uh, pubs for example there has to be a price list in pubs the restaurants that I mentioned that includes cafes and fast food outlets and other businesses that sell food for eating on their premises they must display their prices either outside are just inside the entrance the prices for service uh, stations that's why you have to have the roadside signage displaying how much a litre of petrol and diesel it is but also the other business you'll be that listener who was, was Claire from Wilton you'll be interested to hear Claire hairdressers and barber shops must have a list of current prices for their services and under consumer laws these prices must be visible from the street outside the premises or directly inside their premises now it doesn't say nail salons but it does say hairdressers and uh, barber shops and those rules came in a number of uh, number of years ago and uh, the um, where, where I'm getting it all from is from the uh, 
Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. So there are actually laws in place governing that. 0818103103. And has anyone else noticed this? A listener says, Patricia, my local shop are becoming known now for not issuing you with a receipt. When you ask for a receipt now, they'll give you a total receipt. So lately when I was in there, I asked twice for an itemised receipt. This listener feels it's been done so you can't see how expensive the items in the shop are. Now, I don't know what type of a shop it is and, and I know the listener has put a name down but I I don't know the shop and I'm not calling out the name of the shop because uh, obviously I'd have to check in with the shop to make sure that that is true, etc. So if you want to let me know what type of a shop it is but on the wider thing, has anybody noticed that that smaller shops, they're not issuing an itemised receipt and is... Could it have anything to do with the fact that the prices have gone up and they don't want people to know by exactly how much the prices have gone up? Now, if it is a small uh, business, my heart goes out to those small businesses. They're really fighting just to try to keep the front door open because everything they are doing, their cost of business, everywhere they turn, their prices are going up. So they have no choice but to pass it on to the uh, customer. Now, I do know in the larger supermarkets, there's, there seems to be a constant thing now about asking you, do you want your receipt? But I have a feeling that that started during COVID times when people didn't want to be handling something that was handled by somebody else. But you do notice that a lot now in supermarkets. They'll say to you, do you want your receipt or not? And I don't know how many people then take their receipt home and actually go through it line by line as to how much everything costs. Because I think now when you're in a supermarket, you're very aware because the price is clearly displayed. I think everyone is very aware in the larger supermarkets just how much everything has gone up by 0818103103 lines open C103 Jobs The White Horse and Balancolic they've got a vacancy for an experienced food server CVs please to careers at whitehorse.ie full and part-time Arctic truck driver that's required for a large tillage farm there in South Cork the number to call is 087 2537871 a part-time sales assistant is wanted for Crystal Earth in Mallow email Elizabeth at sales at crystalearth.ie and there is an admin slash receptionist role available at the Big Blue Cube they're based at Goulds Hill in Mallow you apply through the website which is www.cdys.ie forward slash vacancies you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now you just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is c103 court today on c103 with sean cusack insurance's kinsale now part of mccarthy insurance group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie I'm just going to, uh, oh, just by the way, I'm going to just go to some of your uh, texts and uh, calls uh, coming in. We were talking earlier on with uh, Paul Hayes, the independent councillor in West uh, Cork, talking about the shower facilities and how we need more shower facilities in uh, West uh, Cork. But I read in the papers today, it's a piece by David Forsyth in The Examiner, that extreme weather events caused by climate change are an increasing threat to the water quality of our gorgeous beaches along the coast. And it could actually ultimately end up up with us losing some of our blue flag status beaches. The warning came from Louis Duffy. Louis is the director of Cork County Council's Environmental um, section. There was at a meeting at the Western Division of Cork County Council. Louis Duffy was addressing the loss of the blue flag 
uh, status at the Warren Strand. It's a beautiful, beautiful beach near Roscarbury. The Warren, unfortunately, wasn't eligible to apply for a blue flag this year. And the reason for it was the impact of heavy rain during 2021. Now, they're hoping crossed that everything goes well this year and they'll be able to reapply and they'll be able to regain the flag last year. But Louis Duffy was pointing out to the councillors that this is because of climate change. What is happening more, more often and will be more likely going, going into the future that we have more of these severe weather incidents. And he said the reality is... There, that anything on the land, if you get very, very heavy rain, anything on the on the land will be taken away by very heavy rain. Or if there's any wastewater treatment systems that's allowing stormwater discharge, what happens? It ends up in the sea, and it's a risk to our beaches. So he says it's a program where we have to continue to keep pressure both on Irish water and on the agricultural community just to make sure that the loading isn't there to cause problems in the event of severe rain. Now, we are very blessed in Cork in that we have 11 beaches that have blue flags. We have 15 that have green coast flags for this year. And according to the Environmental Protection Agency, annual bathing water quality in uh, in their Ireland report for 2021 we here in Cork our identified bathing water exceeded the national average with 100% meeting or exceeding the minimum required standards 93 then were classified as good or excellent and the 2022 bathing water season that's already commenced it started on the 1st of June and the water quality monitoring obviously is ongoing so we keep our fingers crossed that we retain those blue flags they really are so important but yet again the finger is being pointed to climate change 0818103103 on a cashless society Pat says Patricia yesterday I was in a small petrol station and a lady came over to me and asked if I had a debit card or a credit card with me and then she wanted to give me money so so that she could use my card it seemed where she was washing her clothes it was obviously one of these petrol stations that you know little laundrette attached uh, to it it has gone card only they were once up to recently obviously accepting cash it's now gone card only what a mess we are living in says Pat because again obviously that lady doesn't have a card only deals in cash and therefore wouldn't have been able to get her clothes washed. So I'm assuming, Pat, you helped out. Uh, well done. But and, and I don't know whether the lady knew, knew her or not, but that's where, are we going to see more and more of that if we end up in a situation where it's card only? You're going to people saying, will you pay for that for me and I'll give you the money instead? Total strangers uh, doing it. Hi, Patricia. Just my observation on a town I love so well. The town I love so well is Castletown Bear. Bear Island and uh, the front of Hungry Hill uh, no cable car at the moment, no hotel open. AIB now talking about going cashless in the town. We don't have a cinema. There's no swimming pool, bowling alley, gym for the long winters. No residence open for the co-action clients, fishing industry struggling. Commons, please, from uh, others. And it is a beautiful, beautiful town, Castletown Bear. But are we slowly, slowly starting to see the death of so many of our beautiful little rural towns? It really would be just shocking, shocking to see them go. Um, hi, uh, thank you for your uh, text. Hi, I try not to use my card too much, says this listener, because of the quarterly fees. 
I try to do as little as I can with a bank card and I deal with cash. People have to remember that when they're using cards, there's charges. So if they, the bank are pushing people to use more cards, ultimately they'll make more profits. It is all so uh, wrong. And then someone else says, am I the only one who thinks the protests over the AIB banks going cashless are a complete waste of time? The decision has been made. They won't change their minds because of a few small local protests. Are some politicians only using it as a photo op? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I like to think that people power can work. If you think back to if people hadn't gone out and protest over the water charges and those water charges protests started very small and then they grew and they grew and they grew and we got the government to change their mind. I'm not saying that the AIB bank is is the same on the same scale as the water charges but people power certainly worked and people power can work and if you add to that that you seem to have all of the politicians on board on this one. I mean, I haven't seen a politician yet come out and say, oh, well, look, we fully understand what AIB are doing. I mean, even the Taoiseach was probably the first out of the blocks and he's over in Singapore. He's kind of a million miles away from it at the moment. But he was first out of the blocks yesterday saying, you know, publicly saying to AIB they need to uh, reconsider. So I don't know. I'm I'm slow to say. And I've seen this and I've seen many protests in the past that haven't worked for sure. But I'm, I'm slow to say that we won't get them to change their minds. Maybe we will. And then we had the listener, Carmel, was it, who was in the city yesterday counting in just 20 minute period, counting 14 people closing their accounts. You know, banks are there at the end of the day to make money and to make profit. If, you know, if they're hit where it hurts and they're not going to be making profits, then maybe they will have to consider. So let's uh, wait and see. So no, slow to jump in and say you're wasting your time going out and uh, protesting. 0818103103. Our lines are open. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The annual Rose of Tralee Festival is now less than a month away, running from the 19th of August through to the 23rd, when this year's new rose will be officially crowned. One of the roses taking part this year is Maud Brennan. Maud is from Glantan and she is the Sydney Rose for 20. 22 and I'm delighted to say she joins me live in the studio. Good morning to you Maud and you're, you're, you're very welcome and Thank it's, you. it's fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well it's great to have you in the studio because as I was telling Maud there while we were waiting for the ad break tent we were talking about you and wishing you the best of luck because you have a lot of people listen, <laughs> listening to C103 who knew that Maud Brennan uh, was, was going into the competition. Okay when, so when did you get home? How long are you home? I arrived back on Tuesday morning okay, into so, Dublin. So are yeah. you over all of the jet lag now? I'm you? still a bit tired. Yeah. Last My sister very kindly took me to see Riverdance on Tuesday night when I landed back into Dublin but I slept through most of it yeah, um, but yeah no I've it's fine another, it's few, day, another, another few, days, few days I'll be fine now take me back how long have you been living in Australia I have been in Australia since January 2020 um, you're a nurse I I'm a nurse yeah, yeah, you're yeah. A nurse. so I moved uh, middle of January 2020 just before Covid got in I was in the one of the last to get into the country before they shut the borders and I originally was in Melbourne um, then I had to come home for a couple of months in 2020 
and luckily got back again to Oz in January 2021 and that's when I went to Sydney and I've been there since. Was it always part of the plan when you were training to be a nurse? Pretty much. Pretty much. There's yeah. always just such talk of Australia when you're training as a nurse um, just saying about the opportunities, the lifestyle. Um, so yeah, it always was the plan. So I kind of worked in Ireland for two years Got a bit of experience and then I headed out then. Is it very different working in, in a hospital in Australia to working in a hospital in Ireland? Yeah, very different. Very different. In what way? There is just, you have less patient ratio to start. You have maybe five or six patients. Um, you have, don't do 12 hour shifts. We rarely do one. It's a lot of eight hour shifts. Um, yeah, it's just like an easy, a bit easier that way, but then it's different as well. The... Like on a ward in Ireland, it's very much teamwork based. We all help each other out. We're all struggling, but we'll help each other out. In Australia, there's not so much as that. They're very much, they're your patients. You, you look do after that. Them. So yeah. there's good and bads to it. Yeah. It, it, it always comes across to me whenever I speak to anyone, it's not as stressful. No, definitely not. No. Yeah. And I think as well, when you go over, you see what the Australian nurses are used to and they're like, this is, I'm so stressed. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> come, come work in Ireland, come work you, in Ireland, do a night yeah. shift in Ireland. Like, and yeah, the Australians love the Irish. They nurses. love them, yeah. love them. Yeah. They just think we're the best workers. Again, I think well, it's because we're used yeah. to, you know, working hard and training hard. Um, but yeah, they love to see us come in. So when you landed, no problem getting work. Yeah, when I when I first landed, I kind of was like, I want to break from nursing. Um, so I actually got a job working in a, a salad shop and like <laughs> dish, dishing out salads. I was yeah. having a great time. Then COVID hit and everything shut down. So then I was like, OK, I better go be a nurse now. And I did a few hospital shifts, but I did most of my work was in the quarantine hotels. OK, that's where they were recruiting loads. That's where all the work was. So yeah, I worked in like they had maybe five or six nurses to every hotel and we were looking after all the passengers when they came in off the flights. So I did so a majority you were doing of work there. And a lot of testing then to see who yeah, had. Yeah. And did many have COVID? Not many, um, yeah. to be fair. Like there was a couple, but no, it was pretty much COVID free for a long time. And then it took months and months for it to break into the community. You know, we didn't but have. But they had such strict oh, lockdowns. Yeah. yeah, very strict. Like it was just the, the lockdowns. We didn't have lockdown in Sydney until maybe 2021. My, it was my first one there. Uh, but Melbourne was very strict. Mm. I did a month of lockdown in Melbourne and like it was, you know, the guards were watching very, very strict. But it was because they, they closed the, they closed the borders. They shut the I borders. Mean, yeah. yeah, they shut the border. I was actually up in Queensland when they were shutting the international borders and I was living in Melbourne at the time and they were shutting state borders as well. And they were like, you have 12 hours to get back to Melbourne. So me and my friend had to like flee in the middle of the night, get a train to Brisbane fly back to Melbourne because it was a very and much and it was a strict you'd be turned, as that. oh yeah. yeah you'd be turned away at the airport yeah yeah. yeah. And I remember hearing of people Australian people trying to get back home mm. and they had to book a slot in a quarantine hotel yeah. and you had to wait for one to become available yeah madness because even when I was going back to Oz in 2020 I had to apply for exemptions to get back into the country um, so I had to apply three times I got denied twice the third time I got back being a nurse they let me back in but then I had to go do my two weeks quarantine in the hotel by myself if I didn't go insane in those two weeks. Was that, that, that was tough. It was, it, it was. But I think I kind of just kept a positive mind as well because I knew I was coming back to my life in Australia and, you know, it was, Australia was a much better COVID experience than Ireland was, you know, yeah, so I knew I was yeah. going back and I just kind of kept a positive mindset, but you very easily would. Crack. Crack. Yeah, I just, yeah. So what is life like in Australia for Maud Brennan? Life is good. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just very much work-life balance. A nice lifestyle like I live right on the beach basically um, I live in Coogee which is um, just on the east coast of Sydney so it's like I look out my sitting room window and I have a view of the ocean you know I do like the odd 12 hour shifts sometimes but it's majority eight hour shifts 
it's very much you leave work at work. That's kind of the Australian vibe as well. It's like, you know, we don't live to work, work to live. And then what, what type of war do you in? So I was doing, all, like I said, all the quarantine work yeah. that all ended then last November. So we were making our way back into doing more like clinical work. So what I love is palliative care. Uh. So I started doing palliative care a few months ago. Uh, so home care for palliative patients, which I absolutely love. That's tough. It it's it is it's kind of tough, but it's rewarding. Style of nursing, you know, you can really see, you know, you're doing good. I yeah. think anyway, and it's lovely to help someone in their final days, weeks, months, whatever it is. You know, and is to, is it similar to the way our hospice works here? That it's it's the whole family is is looked after. Sometimes, like I've had a couple of cases now, and it's very much the family will leave you to it. They don't want okay. to be involved. You know, right. um, if if they did. They're welcome, but yeah. a lot of the time it is like they're like, oh, you're, you're the nurse, you do it. Okay. Other families that I've worked with, they've been so involved in it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just very much individual based. And was, is that an area of nursing that, again, you always wanted to go into? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I've always kind of had, I did oncology placement when I was training and I enjoyed it. And then I always kind of had a, a like for palliative care. But I lost my dad a few years ago. So I'd just seen the palliative nurses come in. and They're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God, the comfort they gave to my dad, to my family was just phenomenal. We had nurses from Marymount. We had a nurse from the Irish Cancer Society. And I was like, if I could do that for anybody, you know, so and that's what you're now doing. Yeah. So yeah, I started well and I done. love it. So I hope to go on and like further myself and I'd love to go back to college maybe or something you know, like learn more about it because I just find it interesting. And, and are there those type of opportunities in Australia? There is. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely not so much maybe college wise because it's just so expensive to do academic training in Australia. But there definitely is you can work up, you know, they really encourage you to further yourself, um, which is good because it's I think that's kind of different to Ireland as well, you know. Ireland, I feel like unless you push yourself on, no one, no one no is there one, pushing. Like you're on the ward, what about know? the cost of living? And, and, I'm, and I'm sure you're hearing everybody here in Ireland complaining about the cost of living. Yeah. Australia is known as an expensive country to, to live and work in. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is more expensive in some areas, I find. But then again, your wage matches it. You know, you're paid better as a nurse in Australia. So like it is a bit more expensive. But like I feel like shopping and all that stuff is pretty much when you convert it to euro. It's not far, far different. Mm. A night out now definitely is more expensive in Australia. Yeah, the, 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 I've been on many a good night out. The, yeah. the, the cocktails can be, the can cocktails, be expensive. Yeah. But, uh, my sister-in-law has just gone back. She's been home for three weeks. Uh, a head of lettuce is gone. She was you, can't, you can't get one. There's yeah. no, they're not to be found. Yeah. We're in a major shortage of lettuce in Australia yeah. at the moment. And that, that was to do with weather though, wasn't yeah, it? More yeah, than we've anything. had such yeah. bad weather the last few months. Like there was floods all over New South Wales, like towns washed out. Um, so we've Clim- we had climate change, climate change. Yeah. With McDonald's in Australia, putting cabbage on there. For, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one. We'll be trying yeah. that one. Now, talk to me about the Rose Tralee. Firstly, uh, I mean, you, you grew up in Glantan. Yes. Were you one of those little girls that watched the Rose Tralee going, I want to do oh, that one absolutely. day? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. I yeah. loved it growing up. And I was always like, I'll be the cock rose. You know, yeah. I never thought I'd be in Tralee, but I was like, I'd love to do it. And then when we were growing up, we had a mobile home in Banna as well in, in Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd be in around Tralee every August and just seeing the buzz. And I trained in Tralee as well. So oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so I feel like I've always been around it. And I've yeah. always said I'd love to do it. I was always telling my friends about it. So then this year in Sydney, it came up that the Sydney Rose was going ahead again this year. And one of my friends just texted me and was like, you need to enter it because you're always talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so just do it. So yeah, I entered just, just purely for, for the crack. The, for the crack. Yeah. And to meet people because a good lot of our friends had moved home at Christmas because they had been there for two years during COVID. They 
they all wanted to move home. So I was kind of like, I'll go meet a few new people. I'll go have a good time. And yeah, I had an absolute ball the few weeks. Now, what was, the, what was the selection process in Sydney like? So we had to go with an induction day. There was 14 of us who went for it. There was okay. 10 Irish and four Australians. Um, all their parents and grandparents were Irish. Okay. Um, so the first day we had just like a social night. Uh, meeting people and the judges were there. We didn't know who they were, but monitoring, they were yeah. monitoring. Yeah. And then we had what they called a night at the dome. It was a mockery, basically the dome. We'd go up on stage, be interviewed. And then if you had to, if you wanted to do a talent or whichever, you could do it then. And again, the judges were there keeping an eye on things. And then the last day was a one on one interview with the judges when we got to meet them. It's like a mini Rose Tralee. Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, this is preparation now for Tralee. Yeah. They take it very seriously. Very seriously. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, they, this, oh, my God. They want a winner. Like. They're, <laughs> they're back in our They're mode. waiting for their yeah. winner. There's never yeah. been a Sydney winner. So they're, so, and, they're and waiting. And do they do the announcements similar to what they do in Tralee? Yeah. So we had a, we'd a big ball. Yeah. Uh, we all got dressed up. Um, it, there was about. 300 people there like the Irish community absolutely love it because it's just nice celebrating Ireland like, yeah, you know, it's, when a bit, it's a bit of home as it's well basi- yeah, yeah and when you're so far from home you cling to anything that's home so we did a great night we had we were all up on stage and they were like and the winner of the Sydney Rose and I was there like I did not never ever ever think they were going to say my name and my friends told me when they were announcing I was looking around being like who's it going to be who's it going to be <laughs> And then they said Maud Brennan and me, me. yeah, my legs like went, my face dropped. I think when they pushed me up to the mic and I think I was like, what the heck? You know, like just brilliant. Yeah. And did you phone home straight away? Straight away. Did you? My friends FaceTime my mom. And my, my mom was actually up the country. She was taking part in the All-Ireland Drama Festival. So she was up the country with that. And my friends rang my mom and mom was like, what's going on? I was like, I have a tiara on my head, mom. Like, I'm after winning. <laughs> oh, how special. Yeah. That really is. That, yeah. that really, really so special. Lovely. And do you, do you hang out with a lot of Irish people? Are the Irish community very, yeah. Yeah, you pretty very much. Tight. Yeah, very tight. Like, you kind of, I had this dream when I moved to Australia, you know, I'll make all these Aussie friends, I'll yeah. start surfing. But no, you just stick with the Irish. You go to the same places all the time. Um, so we're just happy out together yeah, you it's know? a strong community yeah, as well yeah. what do you miss most about home? oh my family yeah. my mum yeah um, it kind of hits you like like when I was saying when I was flying home and I was in the plane four hours and I was still over Australia I was like it really hits you how far you are from home yeah. and especially the last year and a half not being able to just come home when you want yeah um, it is are, are, really are no one able to get out to see you yeah, either yeah. you know what so, I mean yeah but I'm very excited now because when I go back in September my mum's actually coming out with me for a holiday oh yeah. is that her first time her first time oh, fantastic. yeah fantastic so. she will have a ball now have yeah. you will you do a party piece in Tralee Hopefully, yeah. So I sang in Sydney. I sang and I played the guitar. Um, ah. So hopefully I will sing and play piano, maybe, in Tralee. Well, you're a talented singer <laughs> as well. We, did, we didn't know that. We didn't know. Now, of course, taking part, you've got this mad week down in, in Tralee mm. and all the different outfits and all of that. Yes. Have you managed to secure sponsorship? Because I have. that's People have been so kind. Yeah. Like, but even in Sydney, I won prize money. And there's a load of Sydney sponsors as well who've been like amazing. A lot of Irish businesses in Sydney have given me sponsorship. Brilliant. And then a load of Mallow too. People have been just so, Isn't so kind. Yeah. yeah. I was in Carrigline yesterday with a milliner who was giving me all these lovely hats to wear. Okay. And I'm off to the Galway races next week for Ladies Day with the Roses. Okay. And she's given me this 
beautiful headpiece as well. So yeah, people are just so, so kind. So have you your, and I'm assuming the organisers tell you how many outfits you need. Yeah, they? so they yeah. kind of give you a general layout of what's happening every day and how many outfits you need. So like every day you need a casual outfit for breakfast, then your daytime outfit, oh, fuck. and then your nighttime outfit. So you should see my sitting room at home now at the moment. There's just dresses hanging <laughs> everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, it's very, very exciting. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. And the, yeah. well, your mom obviously is going to Tralee. Yes, my mom, my two sisters and she my brother. Is she going to be in the mobile in Banna? <laughs> no, they're going down now for the five nights. My immediate family, they'll be there for all of it. And then like all my cousins, friends, they're all coming down then for the two nights of the dome. So they'll be below cheering me on with the posters. OK, you know, you obviously know who Auntie Mags is, do you? Auntie, oh. <laughs> you're, you're, she signs it, your biggest menopausal fan. <laughs> I, I won't get into that, Mags. It says, go on, Maud. Absolutely so proud of you. Thrilled for Juliet, the mighty mother. Yeah. That. Well, listen, we're, 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 we're thrilled for you. I mean, thank you. Uh, it's, and it's just, it's a wonderful opportunity as well. Yeah. And, and you look like somebody that's really going to enjoy it. You're going to shine on stage and that's that's what it's <laughs> all about. You. And listen, we really do thank you for taking time out to join us. Thank you for having me in. That's Maud so Brennan, the Sydney Rose. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Well, we've had white smoke from AIB uh, because literally on a breaking news story, they've decided not to proceed with plans to turn 70 branches into cashless outlets. The move follows a backlash to the move from business groups, from consumers, from the farming community, from rural organisations and indeed from politicians. Now, a group of rural independent uh, TDs were actually outside AIB headquarters in Dublin, including one of our own independent Deputy from West Cork, uh, Michael Collins, who joins me from outside AIB headquarters in Moseworth Street in Dublin. Good afternoon to you, Michael. Good afternoon. Uh, you Patricia. you were one of the first, I believe, to get the news. Yes, indeed, Patricia. We entered the uh, AIB in Moseworth Street this morning at nine thirty. We had been trying to make contact with the CEO, uh, Colin Hunt, for the last uh, three days since this announcement, and he failed. The bank had responded to us, but he failed to uh, meet with us. So we decided. At the mountains, we go to Mohammed. Mohammed went to the mountains, so we turned up at the bank this morning unannounced at nine thirty, and we made it very clear, on the no uncertain terms, that we weren't leaving until we met Mr. Hunt. Um, the negotiations were going on from half past nine until maybe five to twelve, and um, at five to twelve they came in. They said, "If we will announce a statement uh, from uh, AIB that uh, they are no longer proceeding with their decision to uh, make." 70 branches cashless, would we accept that and stand down uh, and, and, and leave the buildings? And we said, as long as the statement was true and factual, which it was, and I have some of it here, it was in the context of this evolving banking environment, the opportunity enhances long-standing relationship with Unpossity, we took a decision to remove cash services from 70 of its branches. However, recognising the customer and public unease that this has caused, EIB has decided not to proceed with the proposed changes to its banking ser- bank services. There's more that as well, but sensational news. But basically, common sense has prevailed in common all of this. Prevailed and, and prevailed, and thanks to people like yourself, Patricia, and your radio show, and other radio shows throughout the country and media, took to the took a real battle to the ID, something that we spoke in this morning that has never been seen the like of. We were certainly not leaving this building, because I certainly had to stand up for the people of Castlebear. Some are having to travel 66 kilometres to get their banking business done if this was going to be carried on and Kinsale and Dunmanway. And I'm delighted that this announcement and that common sense has prevailed and delighted that we, you know, took the stand we took this morning. Everybody really taking glory for that today. Sure, look, 
I don't mind if they want to take the glory for it. All I mind is that this has happened. We were not leaving that building. We made it very clear this morning until the CEO came before us and explained his actions and reversed his actions. He's done that. He didn't come before us, but he's done that. And we welcome that. And was he, do, you, um, do you know, was he even in the building? It was hard to know. Oh, because okay. we were being told he's busy, he's busy, but where he's busy. Well, he said, not to worry. Not to we'll worry. We said, we'll wait. Do it they, doesn't matter. Can you, said, sir, sir, can you, did, they offer you did they offer you a coffee and scones while they you were did. waiting? Did uh, they? Coffee and scones were most uh, courteous. And parents, while we were inside, we were inside for two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes. They couldn't be nicer. I okay. have to say that to parents. Their public relations uh, person was there, and she was uh, very, very kind to us. But the bottom line is, she knew we weren't budging. We made it very clear, and she didn't argue with us. And that, and that also, I think if it continued, they probably would have met us. But the bottom line is, I'm delighted for the 12 branches in Cork and delighted for the people of Kerry, the people of outright throughout this country that, that were absolutely terribly upset about this decision and terribly worried. Businesses and everything. It's a great success today and a great success story for people's power. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And, 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 and I know you've Matthew McGrath uh, with you from Tipperary as well. Because you, you can tell him we had a number of calls in from people in Tipperary listening to this programme because Tipperary was another county that was going to be really badly affected and large areas would have been without a cash uh, bank. So well done, Michael. Well done. Thanks, well done. Michael. And thanks, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, they were very patient in the last few days and, and very angry but very patient and we're very very anxious for these protests these protests probably will be stood down almost likely okay. but at least you know the people are there and we appreciate people standing by the, uh, on this issue of people's power has proven it's a true victory today and thank you I can thanks for that Michael and I can see the number of people texting in saying the very same thing that it is definitely people power let me just give, bring you some of the texts uh, from Anne uh, says Patricia wonderful news now that AIB has changed their mind about this cashless banking thing uh, Kerry listener hi Patricia hooray I just heard the news AIB backs down uh, thank you for your great input uh, that's our, 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 listen the input came from you the listener I have to say I've never seen so many people so enraged by this rural areas must be respected and not used as pawns uh, against the affluent metropolis says a Kerry listener thank you for that and thank you to a listener who previously had sent in a text saying that the protests people going out and protests that we won't be able to get them to change their minds will it be a waste of time that particular listener has texted back in to say I stand corrected thank you for that Councillor Declan Hurley says Patricia what a relief I can't believe my ears when I heard it power to the people long live our communities passion for survival signed Councillor Declan Hurley a very, from a very happy and relieved Dunmanway Hi Patricia people power at its very best AIB never expected the backlash you can mess with a lot but people's hard earned money especially in this current times is a no no however a word of caution on the use it or lose it, people need to up their usage of cash to make sure that this will never happen again in the next few years. Also flagging every time you arrive at the ATM that it has no cash regularly happens here in Castletown Bear we should make a complaint so that when they say the use of cash has gone down we can give the reasons and say well your machine wasn't working delighted with the news that's from Anne-Marie Cronin thanks to yourself and all those who fought uh, so hard on this one and just another one saying Patricia you did great, listen I did 
didn't do any great job. All I did was just reflect what you were saying. It was an appalling thing to think we had to use people power and the powers that be are utter cowards that they wouldn't come out and meet with the people only issued a statement to the media. They're cowards, each and every one of them. The government are well aware of this matter, must have been well aware of this matter in advance. Well, no, in fairness, all I think, judging by the reaction from all of the coalition partners, they literally were completely unaware of it. Okay, let me go to Deputy James O'Connor from Cork East, who really, in fairness, led uh, from the front on this on behalf of the backbench uh, TDs. Uh, James is at AIB in Yall, actually, at the moment, as he speaks to us. Uh, good morning or good afternoon to you, James. Good afternoon, Patricia. James, to join you listen, common sense has prevailed, hasn't it? It certainly has. I have to welcome the news and I just want to thank uh, over 44 members of the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party from cabinet, backbenchers, the junior ministers, the senators that have all uh, rolled in behind requests to the Department of Finance and to the Minister and Central Bank to reverse this decision. So it's hugely, hugely consequential, a positive day that AIB have made a U-turn on what was a disastrous decision. And what I really think fueled the anger this time that it was on foot of 88 bank branches being closed in towns like here in Yall, in other towns throughout Corkies, places like Mitchellstown and Cove that suffered enormously by the closure of bank branches before this decision. And the two of them combined just drove people over the edge. I think people were livid, uh, those of us that were in Leinster uh, House could tell you that uh, firsthand, and it was a step too far. And I'm absolutely delighted with the news that has just come from the Department of Finance that they're going to reverse this idiotic decision that was going to cause enormous harm to main street businesses and to many people who cannot use online banking services. It was such a huge concern. I've never, ever seen a response to anything before like it. And I'm just delighted that democracy today has had a very good day being able to reverse and force the commercial business to change what was an outrageous decision. Yeah, and when this news broke on uh, Tuesday, James, a number of people were saying, you know, Pascal Donoghue, Minister for Finance, must have known what was going on. And a lot of people were suspicious of, you know, the fact that they, um, it was like cynically done. They waited until the doll was in recess to drop this news as if almost it would have floated under the radar uh, during the summer, summer months. But anything I'm reading in the paper, it does look like Pascal Donoghue and the Department of Finance were totally blindsided on this in that they didn't get any heads up from AIB that this announcement was coming. Absolutely. That was very clear that the AIB completely and utterly refused to engage uh, with, you know, with people who were elected, did not give any notice that this decision was going to be taken. And I think that's a big part of the reason that there was such quick action from Cabinet, from the Taoiseach, from the Minister for Finance, demanding that they were going to meet. So I understood that uh, as we speak today that there was officials in the Department of Finance from AIB that are discussing this matter with them. Uh, and look, the positive news is that there has been a positive outcome here. Uh, this is very, very good news. And what we now need to make sure, Patricia, building on from here, is that we can ensure that there is no town, town the size of you all imagine, with nearly 10,000 people living in it, with no commercial bank services, which was going to happen if this had gone forward. That's something we need to ensure doesn't happen uh, in any place in Ireland in the future. Maintaining the importance of the social service that banks provide to people and to businesses. And I have to admit, not alone was it coming from people who can't use online banking, but from Main Street businesses that need to be able to access cash, need to be able to access their night shifts after their day's trading. They were hugely, hugely concerned by what the bank had proposed. Many of them threatened to me that they were going to go out of business because the post office model is just not going to work when it comes to banking in larger towns because the post offices, and rightly so, are very, very busy in a lot of big towns and they didn't have the space 
and the capacity uh, to be able to handle all the businesses that the banks are handling at the moment. So I yeah, because I guarantee you, on like it's Friday morning, I guarantee you at. Uh, small post offices, uh, not just here in Cork, all over the country. There's queues outside the door for people going in just to do their normal business on a Friday. And we and the AIB were saying, well, we'll add all the business community into into those queues as well. It just it couldn't, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. And I'm standing here in the main street hall, just across the road from the from the AIB. Of course, is is is, is our post office next door. The post office is the Bank of Ireland that's been closed down. And there are regularly queues there midweek out the door. And if you're a business person opening your premises at nine o'clock in the morning, it's just not an option for people to be queuing for half an hour trying to get cash. And what did they do with their cash in the evening? There was a huge security concern. Yeah. And what was obviously going to happen is people were going to store cash at home, which would have been a huge crime risk as well. So it's very, very important that when the when the review into into banking services, which was due out in September, uh, that we certainly have to ensure that geographical areas like Mitchellstown, Cove and Yall, big population centres are serviced by some 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 type of cash service going far from here. Yeah, and the and the question that has to be asked of not just AIB, uh, but especially I suppose AIB, but all of the banks. I mean, was there ever any consideration given to the impact on citizens of this country by de- ludicrous decisions like making seventy of the banks cashless? Whoever. The other person that has questions to answer here, Patricia, and this just has to be said, I have long-standing issues with the central bank in this country and their autonomy from democratic process in Ireland. We cannot interfere in the work that the central bank do in Ireland and they allowed this to happen. You know, this is coming on foot of the, clo- the withdrawal of, of Ulster Bank from the Irish markers, closure of KBC branches. Then the Bank of Ireland withdrawal of 88 bank branches and now what AIB has planned, which I'm sure is preempting full closures. You know, that was allowed to happen under the central bank's watch. And it's part of their work as well that that has to be analysed. And questions have to be answered there. Because I do not think they're performing to the job that they're extremely well paid to do. And they have huge questions to answer, including the governor of the central bank. Uh, OK, well said, well said. Listen, a couple of people w- wanted to say well done uh, to you for leading the charge on this one. Listen, James, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Cork East Dáil Deputy James O'Connor from outside AIB in Yall. He can go home now. It's all been sorted. And John, one of our listeners, says, Patricia, fair play to Deputy Michael Collins, who joined you from outside the AIB uh, head office. He left, having been in there since half nine this morning. Uh, he said that, he, uh, John says, that's what I call representing the common people. We need more people like him in the Dáil. Jim says, great news on the bank's bank tra- backtracking on this ludicrous and disgraceful decision to make banks cashless. And sure, they may have well have closed the front door if they went ahead with the original decision. Well done to People Power, says Jim. Even when you see it in print, a bank with no cash seems just... It seems crazy. What were banks designed to do? And uh, Mary is saying thumbs up to uh, People Power... Um, great work to keep AIB services um, great work keeping AIB services open in all of those towns can anyone can anything be done with TSB they want they went cashless during COVID I'm not I'm not too sure what that is uh, exactly what you're talking about there okay and lots and lots of similar calls coming in like that with people saying just how happy they are with the news and thus proving their people power and when people unite and say no to a decision that is simply wrong people power can and does work 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 
103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. St. Patrick's Cemetery Mass in Cantark. That's going ahead uh, this evening at 7pm. All are welcome. There's bingo on in Mallow GAA Complex. Quarter past eight tonight with a jackpot of €2,000. And if you are in Charleville today or indeed tomorrow, please support a street collection that's going on in aid of the local suicide awareness group. Volunteers are collecting on the streets today and tomorrow. And the Celtic Brothers, starring the Willoughby Brothers, are playing a concert in St. Declan's Church in Ardmore tonight at 8. Tickets are €25. Euro. They're on sale at the gate from 7pm tonight. It's a fundraiser for Ardmore and Grange Parish Funds. A wonderful evening in store at what is a beautiful seaside venue. And the selling of 50-50 envelopes for draws will resume outside Botterfant Post Office and that is happening uh, today. And Mill Street Fire Brigade are having an information evening tomorrow Saturday in Mill Street Fire Station between 5pm and 7pm. You're asked to please call to the station if you're thinking of applying for the upcoming position in its... Uh, in for the upcoming position, an opportunity to ask some of the crew what's involved in becoming a retained firefighter. You can ask about equipment, call-outs, carrying a page or trainer. Closing date for the position is the 29th of July and application forms will be available at the station tomorrow as well. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Here is a gorgeous Feel Good Friday text in from Catherine, one of our listeners who during COVID times uh, contacted us because she was one of the people who was trying to send a parcel out to her daughter in Australia and the hassle and what was going on with the parcel and where was the parcel and parcels were going missing and we had a slew of other listeners with similar problems but I remember Catherine to, well able to tell her story and how it unfolded here on air with us and she was talking about her daughter who was now living in Australia and she'd met her partner for the first at, at, had met and fell in love while in Australia and because of lockdown people couldn't come home and Catherine couldn't go over there to meet so they had never met only on FaceTime they'd never met the daughter's new partner and then a baby arrived and uh, we hit I remember Catherine contacted us and we celebrated the arrival of the little baby well anyway that's just to bring you up to speed Catherine brings us up to speed to say with a quick text a feel good Friday story for you our daughter Katie arrived to the UK with her partner Kyle and our first grandchild Ace last Thursday my husband travelled to meet with them having never met Kyle and meeting our grandson after all of the saga of missing parcels waiting on passports we finally got to hold them both. They're now spending time with Kyle's family because Kyle's family is from the UK because Kyle's family had never met Katie either and they'll fly home to Cork next Thursday for three weeks. Our other daughter Gronia, who we haven't seen now with over three years will fly home the following Saturday. We will christen Ace James here in Dunmanway Church on the 6th of August. It's going to be fabulous to have both of our girls all home together and our new family from the UK will join in on the celebrations. There is so much worry out there with war and cost of living and banks going bonkers, a bank with no money. It's like a pub with no beer. I just want to share some good news. Oh, Catherine, thank you so much. And I can imagine the excitement next Thursday 
when baby arrives as well along with your own baby even though she's a mum herself now and she sends on a gorgeous photograph with it thank you that's just made me smile on a Friday and that is the kind of good news we we need and there's been so much of that isn't there going on particularly when we have the Sydney Rose uh, in with us I think anyone who had family in Australia I mean I got to experience it with my own sister-in-law been home for the last three weeks and they've gone back now they're doing a few days in Dubai before flying back to Melbourne but it was just great to meet up and to to see the little ones as well because you know you watch I mean FaceTime is great FaceTime and Zoom and all of that is great but it's just nothing like sitting with a grandchild or with a young niece or nephew and you know reading a book with them and playing with them and just being with them there's, there is absolutely nothing like it so enjoy you're going to have three magical weeks I can tell you that 0818103103 our lines are open Somebody wants to know, does anybody know, is there a bus going to Declan Nurney who's playing in the Mallow race course? Is there any bus going from Canturk? Can anybody tell us? Somebody wants to go to, to Declan Nurney from Canturk, doesn't have transport to get to Mallow. Does anybody know if there is a bus from Canturk to Mallow and obviously home again to the Declan Nurney concert? If you can help us with that one, please let us know. John Paul taking calls 0818103103. And someone else kind of tied in with the AIB says it's a pity local politicians weren't more vocal regarding the gym in Dunmanway, which is closed and has been closed now for three months. This was the gym that closed, so it could be used as a a centre to house refugees from Ukraine. Why aren't they looking for alternative emergency accommodation for refugees while a perfectly good facility remains shut? The banking issue seems to garner more publicity. And do I take it from that text that they still refugees still have not moved in there? I know the last time we looked into it, there hadn't been any refugees here. It's every county, every county council has to have a place available. I did see on the papers, though, that the government have issued an urgent appeal for hotels and guest houses to house Ukrainian refugees. They're offering payments of €135 a night for single adults. And seemingly the Department of the Defence now are looking at purchasing additional military tents as the current supply is coming under pressure as a result of the crisis. We now have over 40,000 refugees already in this country from Ukraine and there's about 1,400 arriving every week and they're expecting those numbers to continue between now and the end of the year. So they're going to have a problem on their hands as it is. So I think that Jim in Delmanway may well be put in use. The fact that the government are now looking to hotels and guest houses to come forward. If enough don't come forward, then I think all of those emergency accommodation that has been identified around the country, I think more of it will be used. So I don't know if you're going to have good news of your gym opening anytime soon in Dunmanway, but I certainly can sense your frustration in your uh, text. 0818103103. Could you give a shout out to Christy and Margaret Craddock? in Glanmire the Bedford Craddocks are very excited to be coming home in a few weeks time <laughs> they have sent us they're listening to us on uh, line safe trip and enjoy your time back in uh, Ireland would you give a mention please to the charity evening fundraiser in Ardmore I think I've already done that haven't I I did I just mentioned it there on the community diary and hi Patricia when you were talking about price hikes earlier has anybody noticed when they go to get their nails done 
has their price gone up. Where I get my nails done, it was always 45 euro and it's gone up to 54 euro, an increase of 9 euro. I think that is over the top. Again, it's the cost of doing business. The nail bar in which you go into are probably paying, they're certainly paying more in electricity. They're possibly paying more on insurance. The cost of their products have probably gone up as well. I mean, literally everything has gone up. I don't know of anything. Anything that you see that has remained the same price wise, I think you're doing well with because everything is going up. But certainly the cost of doing business is has gone up and businesses, if they want to remain open, really have no choice, but they have to pass it on. Hi, Patricia, would you give a mention to Dancing is on in Theo Park tonight? It is with Declan Anger, half past nine. Thanks from the gang in Theo Park. Texting to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just a couple of uh, quick final texts in on AIB. Anthony says that was a generic move by AIB. Met with the response, though, it deserves. And thanks to Sinn Féin, who organised a protest today. Banks have been doing wrong since the bailout and uh, and people's mortgage payments until they were found out. That was the track of mortgage uh, scandal. They just do what they want. And it's like the central bank is letting them away with it, said Anthony. That's why I thought listening to uh, Fianna Fáil, Dol- Dole Deputy um, in the the last hour um, saying that the central bank does need to be taken to task on this one and does need to be uh, James O'Connor was saying it does need to be uh, questioned as to their role in it and Paula listening to us in County Waterford said oh this was to do with the listener who says now that you've sorted out AIB could you sort out permanent TSB and I was saying what's going on with permanent TSB uh, Paula says permanent TSB has no counter staff here in Dungarvan my husband being a bit of a dinosaur will refuses and cannot use cards so if he wants to access his money he has to drive to Clonmel which is our new nearest permanent TSB that has counter staff. It is total madness. The banks seem to be allowed to do what they want. 0818 103 103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joins me live in studio uh, today. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Um, I have the wrong one up there. Good afternoon. Do you have the wrong microphone? I'm sorry. You're, you're very welcome. OK. Hi. You watched two movies for us this week. One is called A Light Year and the other is called Black Light. So let's take a trailer from Light Year. Sorry, that's not working for me there. Let me just... No, that one is... OK, it's got an X on it for some reason, Mark, so it's it's not working. And I've just... Yeah, Light Year, so you're going to have to tell us what's Light Year all about. Uh, Buzz Lightyear. Ah, I was yeah. going to say, is there anything to do with Toy Story? Yeah, it has, yeah. Uh, it is the character of uh, Buzz Lightyear. And uh, this time voiced by Chris Evans and not by Tim Allen, which uh, did cause uh, a lot of controversy. But I think Oh, what they changed... They changed the voice. the voice. Yeah, there was a lot of talk and is a lot of controversy. Different? Oh, very much so, because Tim Allen, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, is, is Buzz Lightyear. Is Buzz Lightyear. But, you see, this is made by Disney Pixar, and their argument is this, you see, that what, what, what Buzz Lightyear was voiced by Tim Allen. And Buzz Lightyear is the doll that was based on a television series. 
And what they're basically saying is, yes, Tim Allen did the voice of the doll, but he did not do the voice of Buzz Lightyear on the television series. And that's their argument. So they said, look, we're going to use Chris Evans uh, instead. And I think it was a bit of a shame. I mean, I think for, I think for continuity, I think it would have been great to, to, to use Tim Allen. and beyond. Exactly. And then yeah. Tim Allen had this kind of wonderful kind of sense of humour as well, I think, in the film. If you remember, he really thought that he was Buzz Lightyear. He thought he was a superhero. Yeah. And Tom Hanks keeps saying to him, no, you're not. You're just a doll. You're not, yeah, you know. Yeah. So there was a kind of a lovely kind of sense of naivety with, with that kind of version of Buzz Lightyear, for example. Here it's a bit, bit different. And I think what they've done is they've made Chris Evans and his version of Lightyear and Buzz Lightyear as an out-and-out hero. And I think that's, for me, was one of the biggest kind of faults of the film because I think if they made him kind of a little bit more human and a little, with a little bit more humour, I think we, we would have warmed to him a little bit more. But instead, he's kind of very granite-chinned and he's your out-and-out hero. I mean, there's a scene where they try to recreate the opening scenes of Up, if you remember, and it doesn't really, really quite work. And they decided not to show Buzz Lightyear crying, which I thought was interesting. And instead, he was looking at a photograph and a teardrop drops on to the photograph. Ah. Now, I don't know if that was an afterthought or not, but I would have liked to have preferred myself to have seen Buzz Lightyear at least tear up to at least show some kind of emotion. Instead, he's very—he's just your out-and-out hero, I think, in this. And that makes him slightly a little bit bland, I think. And I, and I think that's a, a bit of a shame. My criticism, of, obviously, of, um, of Pixar down throughout the years is the way in which I think some of their films just get too, compli- too complicated. And I think they forget who their audience is. The children. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they get very cerebral. And, for example, um, it was the film Soul they dealt with death, for example, in a very, very complicated kind of uh, way. And I thought that was a bit of a shame. They dealt with uh, the emotions of, of, of a young girl's brain, for example, in Inside Out. And I think, yeah, I think and it's almost as if sometimes they're desperate for critical acclaim, that they're actually making these films for the critics they're making them to 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 win kind of awards and I think that's a bit of a shame what would be great if they just stepped back a little bit made them a little bit more simplistic and I think uh, um, and and just remember who um, these films are meant yeah, to be because, for yeah because you will find if you go with smallies to, to any of these movies that the storyline becomes too compli- complicated you can actually see in the cinema the smaller ones, they're just losing interest. That happens a lot, yeah. And I think that, that'll happen here because one of the things that you, you've got to um, understand with this film is that they deal with the concept of time quite a lot. Now, if you're travelling at huge speeds, I think it's the, the, the theory of relativity, if you're travelling at incredible speeds, for example, time is different back on Earth. And so, therefore, he constantly is trying to um, develop this kind of system whereby it'll allow him to reach huge speeds. He forgets then, of course, that back on Earth, years have passed and so this this is a kind of a constant kind of recurring theme so he comes back and people are four years older and I think that a lot of That's kids last on children I think kids are going to find that very very difficult and there's yeah. a scene later on which I won't spoil and I think kids will be really confused by that what will they like they will love the action sequences I think yeah. there's a lovely little robot cat in it which is which is kind of sweet uh, they will love the look of the film certainly I did I mean it's it's extraordinary to look at it really is but then Pixar their artists are the best that they're are. Um, the design is extraordinary. The detail is extraordinary. And I loved that. What lets it down, really, this film, is, I think, is the script. And it's not really funny. And that's the shame. There are s- so much of the comedic lines just, just drop dead. And, um, and, and that's a pity. And it's easy to make me laugh, I think. It's easy to make me smile. I love these, a lot of these. You know, I, I watch some of the worst and silliest kind of uh, animated films, and I laugh and I smile. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't smile or laugh. But I did enjoy yeah. how the film looked. Yeah, and you would be expecting 
expecting to go to this and have great big belly laughs. Exactly. You yeah. really would. Okay, so light here. Mark it out of 10. For the artists, uh, I'll give it five. Five out of 10. Okay, now the second movie is called Black Light. What's going on here? Uh, well, this is uh, yet uh, another Liam Neeson action film, I'm oh. afraid. Yeah, and... Okay, uh, you're not the biggest fan of Liam Neeson. No, I, no, I do. When, he's, when Liam Neeson is great, the first time I saw Liam Neeson, actually, was I think it was Excalibur, but he had a small part in that. But he made a beautiful film back in the early 80s called Lamb, where he played this yeah. very gentle priest. Yeah, I, I watched it on your recommendation, and I would class it as one of, one yeah. of Liam Neeson's greatest movies. Exactly, and um, I hope he isn't destroying his legacy, actually, by just making all these action movies. Now, in his from his point of view, he's saying, look, yeah, I'm 70 years of age nearly. I think he's 69 or 70. Yeah. Uh, I'm still being asked to make these, so I might as well make them. He still looks great. There is a scene where he tries to run at one stage, which didn't really quite work. His accent is all over the place, as it kind of normally is. But he's basically playing Liam Neeson. It's almost like somebody sat down and said, OK, let's make a Liam Neeson movie. What are we going to do? Let's do what we've done for the past 10 movies that he's made. All of these action movies, they all blend into one. He's basically a, a former special operative uh, agent. I and you, you know you are right. He is a lot more than that. He is. If you know, yeah. the, the, but for me, the last great film he made was called The Grey, and it was a film that he made up in the Arctic, um, on site in the Arctic, in the cold, and it was about uh, a man being hunted by a pack of grey wolves. Oh, I saw that. It's I just, an extraordinary yeah, film. The name of it, yeah, yeah. And he's and he's brilliant in it. But in these films, he's just basically playing Liam Neeson. But that's obviously what people want. He's got another film coming out this year called Memory, and on the uh, the poster, it's him basically in a gun. So it's going to be the exact same thing. Oh. So you know, look, you know, films like Honest Thief and The Mark and the Taken movies and it's just basically the same thing again and there are some have we time we have, we have yeah. some very very silly scenes in this film and, and you do wonder about the writers for example Aidan Quinn is in it Aidan Quinn it was great to see yeah, Aidan Quinn Aiden you know Aiden we Quinn. love Aidan Quinn but very early on in that you're watching the film you know who the bad guy is straight away it's that badly written he oh. in the film he has um, um, Liam Neeson has this lovely relationship with his uh, his granddaughter but he, uh, she's only about four or five but she he's already teaching her the ways of the special operative which uh, brings him into kind of conflict with his daughter. And there's a very silly scene, for example, where the little girl is, uh, is, is, um, is having her birthday and he, he, she opens the present that was given to her by Liam Neeson. It turns out to be a taser. And she switches on the taser. All the kids scream and Neeson laughs as if it's something really funny. I was thinking, who the what? Who would do that? A taser can kill people. It was just and there's another scene then where he was meant to pick up his granddaughter from school. He's late and she's left alone in the school on her own. Everybody walks away. Now, not, that would never, ever happen. No, and there no. are scenes like this throughout the whole film. It's written uh, really badly. It is a shame. The action sequences are okay, as you could imagine. And he's still good in those action sequences. He still looks good for his age. But really, you know, they all blend into one now. Because, in, if again, if you ask me about this film in six months' time, I'll go, You've well, forgotten was that the marksman? Or was, yeah. that, uh, was that Taken 3? Or, or was that... Um, uh, well, I have no idea, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And it's a shame. And I hope, as I say, it doesn't destroy his legacy of all the incredible work that he's done. This was filmed in Australia, wasn't it? Uh, at the time during the yeah, lockdown, yeah. they all went to Australia. They all went to Australia. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And was Aidan Quinn? Is Aidan Quinn good in it? He, well, he's always good. Yeah. yeah, I love Aidan Quinn. Okay, Mark. That's called Black Light. Mark that one out of ten. And some of the action sequences are actually good, uh, quite good fun. I give it three. Three. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Listen. <laughs> um, have a good week. We'll chat again next uh, Friday. But of course, I'll be getting out of the seat 
in about 11 minutes time for you to uh, to sit in for uh, Nick thanks for that Mark um, have You're a lovely welcome. week okay that's Mark Malone our movie reviewer and can I just say thank you to a huge number of people who have been texting and whatsapping and calling John Paul since the news broke that AIB have reversed the decision to end cash services at the 70 branches around the country and everybody's saying very much the same point that it's his people power and that the backlash that has come from all over the country from business groups from consumers from farmers rural organisations and indeed I think every single politician I mentioned I did say it earlier I don't think there was one politician came out and said that this is a good decision by AIB but I think it was the people on the ground and the the furrow and the frustration and the anger I think amongst the good people of Ireland particularly people in very rural areas that were going to be losing their last bank standing and you know as I said to Michael Collins when he joined me and he was actually in AIB when the news broke he was sitting in demanding to see the CEO of of AIB common sense has prevailed and uh, hopefully they they have seen such a backlash from all over the country they will think twice about trying to do something like this again into the future but that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Um, Mark Malone is with you for the afternoon he's sitting in all this week for Nick Richards who is on holidays we'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the 9 Patricia Messenger enjoy the rest of your Friday and whatever you're doing this weekend have a lovely time Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.